Okay, we're back to podcast, podcast night, Wednesday night, and um, we doing it podcast mode just due to uh, the week uh, that, that we're in. I know folks, uh, some may be traveling, different things going on leading up to Resurrection Sunday, um, but we're working in podcast mode this evening. And uh, looking forward to Sunday. You don't want to miss Sunday. The Lord's got something on my heart that I uh, I really believe will be a blessing to everyone. And uh, I'm excited about moving into this new series on prayer and uh, series on the Psalms. Are kind of kind of going to be interchangeable. There will be times that we deal with. Uh, the Psalms in prayer a lot, as a matter of fact, but um, be going a lot of other directions in dealing with prayer. Uh, just so much, uh, you know, that, that we'll be looking at. And uh, some Sundays will be in the Psalms, some Sundays will be dealing with prayer separately, and then some uh, sometimes we'll be dealing with them from um, from the Psalms, and we'll be. Uh, we'll be doing it on Wednesday nights as well as Sunday nights, also Sunday mornings. Uh, we won't hold fast to everyone. You know, we still have some uh, relationship messages to preach. Uh, I want to deal with Jesus and Judas. I want to deal with Jesus and uh, the Pharisees. I want to deal with Jesus and then some of the people that he touched, like the woman at the well, like the uh, man born blind, you know, just different ones, and um, so we got a lot, we got a lot going on, pray for our church and the needs, uh, pray that God would open up doors for a building, we will be meeting at 9 a.m. on Sunday, 9 a.m., we'll have the Lord's Supper together, um, as our, as is our custom. We did, you know, of course, we started this last year. Uh, this will be our second Lord's Supper together. We'll be doing that at 9 a.m. And then go right into our services from there. All right. Let's start in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 18, 1 Kings 18. And we, we're we going to continue in our prayer lives, prayer part three or our prayer lives part three. This is a great chapter. Another one of my loves in the scripture is the ministry and the uh, the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. It's fascinating to me. That was one of my early uh, early studies in the Bible. Uh, after I first got in into the ministry, after God called me, and I answered. One of my early studies was uh, indeed on the life and the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. Now, as we come here, as we look to this place in Scripture uh, to with Elijah and Elisha, we um, we're going to first talk. I got let's see, one, two, three. Four points. I hope to get through all of them. We've been going three to four uh, at a time in these studies. We're going to start with the possibilities in prayer. Um, 
the possibilities. We we've got to realize what is at our disposal. The Lord's burdened me over this. You're going to hear this so much, but I've got to practice it as well. I don't. I and it's that's what I find amazing is how this has worked. Um, the Lord has just allowed things to occur in my own life that you know really required and, and necessitated. Uh, what I felt like more urgent praying, more praying, more consistent praying. And as I began to practice that, as I began to exercise that in my own life, the Lord began to lay it on my heart to teach it, to teach principles to, to you all concerning prayer and what it is and why we must do it and what, what, what goes on. And there is a way things work. Now, I do want to say this. I don't want to get into formulatic praying. Prayer is not a formula. Uh, God does not operate in, in formulas. Uh, he operates by his word. However, there are way, there is a way that things work. And we must understand that there, there is a way to pray and a way to not pray. If that was not the case, then the disciples would have never uh, told Jesus, teach us to pray. And I'm going to get into this maybe next lesson because it's kind of an in-depth thing. But there's something called agreements. Agreements. And when Satan, when the enemy attacks us, when the flesh fights us when when we go through battles say you've got a real problem and you can't get this prayer answered might have went on for weeks days months years it could be anything but it seems like you can't get it answered and i'm going to be honest with you that is ripe and fertile ground for the enemy to come in and to get in your mind to, to cause you to question God, question God's people, question the Word of God, to get bitter and angry and sideways. I, I know this. I know this. I've lived this. That is fertile ground when you're not getting a prayer answered that you feel like you must get answered in the way that you desire it to get answered. That's fertile ground oftentimes for us to get in a very bad place with God. And it happens in the form of what we call agreements. In other words, Satan would tell you God doesn't care. God has forsaken you. God has abandoned you. God doesn't love you. God uh, isn't going to answer. God is uh, far off from you. And you begin to say, God... Why have you abandoned me? God, you have abandoned me. God, you have uh, not heard me. God, you, you're not answering me. You won't answer me. What you're essentially doing there is you are agreeing with the attack that's coming to your heart and mind, soul, spirit. The attack is God doesn't love you. Then you say, God, why don't you love me enough to answer my prayer? Be careful to not agree with those things. You must learn to break agreements. Okay? Break them. 
And I'll teach you and talk about those things. Father, would you come into this place of hurt, this place of doubt, this place of of, of questioning you, this place of, of not having faith, this this place in my heart, and would you heal it and forgive me of that, and would you break that agreement that I've made with the enemy? That's probably a good starting ground for a lot of you. Yeah, I know it has been for me in the past. Now, having said that, I want to get into the possibilities in our prayer lives. I want to start with a fellow by the name of Elijah, 1 Kings chapter number 18. Let's start in, uh, oh Lord, let's start here and we'll start here in verse number 1. Verse number 1, I'm sorry, verse number 41. 41, 1 Kings 18, 41. Now, if you were, if you were to have done this Elijah study, you would have found that uh, Elijah has, has in essence, followed God and dried up the heavens. And uh, they're in the midst of a terrible drought. It's not rained. Uh, God has determined that it wasn't going to rain. Elijah proclaimed it. But now, now, it's over. God is well intended to end this drought. God is well intended to uh, end this this time where there is no rain. God has fully and well intended to uh, to do this, to move, to work, to the degree that He's answering this prayer, and He's bringing rain, and He's bringing life, and He's bringing. Uh, vitality, and, and all of those things back again to the land, to Israel. So that's that's going to happen. However, by everything that we read, everything that we see, everything that we uh, talk about, everything that is is going on here, and, and what the example is laid is that although God has an intent to accomplish this, it seems that he's not going to do so until Elijah prays. And so let's, let us recognize the fact that these endless possibilities that we have in prayer is many times God intending on doing it, but he wants us to pray it. So let's go to 1 Kings 18 and 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. There is no rain in sight. Now watch. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the mount of, top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees so he is he's bowed, his face is in between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up, and he looked, and he says, There's nothing. Now watch this. And he said, Go seven times. This speaks of the persistency in prayer. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot, get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. In other words, this deluge, this rain, 
is going to be so so thick, so hard raining, so full of of water that the chariot. Now you, you got to remember they're in the middle of a drought, and now the chariots are going to be bogged down in the mud. Now watch. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, folks, this is rain. This is weather. This is the elements. This is, quote, unquote, <laughs> as, as the newscaster would say, Mother Nature. It's not Mother Nature. It's Father God, by the way. But anyway, this is the elements. And God is showing right here that prayer. Now, this is important because it's important in, in regards to this fact. When Jesus commanded the storm to be still... When when Jesus commanded the storm to stop, that that was Jesus, and and there there's there's some things to that that are important to you and I. Uh, but we we would say that's Jesus that said that. That's Jesus that told us that. You know, that's Jesus that made that happen. Now our issue is this: this is a man. Now stay with me, and flip over to James, James chapter five. Now, before that, here, here's how desperate that drought was. James 5 and 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So this is not just any drought. This is a three-and-a-half-year drought. Not one drop of water in three-and-a-half years. Not one. And so now he's going to pray to the degree that there's enough water that comes, a great rain, the Bible says, that it's going to have the ability to bog down the chariots of Ahab. Folks, it's not rained in three and a half years, and it's going to be that thick in mud and water. And yet, God is going to do this, but he's holding it to Elijah praying. So, Right here, we find in James chapter number 5, okay, James chapter 5, verse 17, we have read that he prayed that it might not rain, and it didn't after he prayed that for three and a half years. Then we come to James 5, verse number 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions, as we are, prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Rain not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Okay? So right there, we see that he prayed that it wouldn't rain, then he prayed that it would. And in the midst of that, God, ladies and gentlemen, makes an example out of Elijah. That through his prayers and the power of God, the elements, the very elements, the rain, the snow, the sleet, the sun, that those things could be controlled. That's a major possibility in prayer. Go on. Matthew 16, 19. Matthew 16. We're going to look at three verses in Matthew concerning the possibility of prayer. 
Matthew 16, 19. One of them, well, we'll four total, we, one of them we won't return to, we'll just talk about. But Matthew 16, 19. I'm going to show you something. Matthew 16, 19. Matthew 16 and 19. We know this, this verse well. It's another familiar verse. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18. Watch. Stay with me. I'm just running references. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 28, 18, same chapter. 28, 18, same, or same book. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came, and here's what he said. He spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he transposes this power to them. Now, the first point here is that we must finally understand and recognize the possibilities that we have at our disposal and discretion and His power. With the power of God, with the power of God, there are no, there are no limits to the possibilities that we have in prayer. You go through that Bible and you find that prayer resulted in stopping the elements. You'll find that prayer raised the dead. Prayer healed the sick. Prayer brought supply. Prayer brought abundance. Prayer brought healing. Prayer brought victory. Prayer brought uh, overcoming in wars. What I'm saying is there is no limit to the possibilities that we have. That I've read you one, two. I've shown you in First Kings and James that that Elijah had and demonstrated power over the elements in prayer. Okay, I've shown. And, and the thing is, is that in James it says. You say that's Elijah. The Bible says in that same book, just a few verses away, that he is a man subject like unto like passions as we are. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So it's it, that's the message of James. It's telling us that Elijah wasn't some super-duper superman. Elijah was a man just like Sean Brigman's a man. Elijah was a man just like you're a woman and just like you're a man. And that being the case, we have that same capability within us to pray and to see these things happen. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. If we could tap into and learn and there was a need for for it to, to, to hold off the rain or to hold off the snow that will glorify, honor God, and benefit the kingdom of God, then God would hold it all for that purpose based on our prayer. I'm telling you, I believe I've seen that. I have seen that. I've seen that with my own life, ministry, and heart. I've seen that. Now, 
So that being the case, so the power over elements, the power over over healing, the power over all these things, we we don't have to have a quote-unquote healing service. we got to have the power in prayer. We've got to be able to pray. There's so much predicated on us being able to pray. So much power at our at our disposal. So much ability with within us through the power of God if we could learn to pray. Then we move to Matthew 16, 19, Matthew 18, 18, and we read that whatsoever is bound on earth, God will bind it in heaven. If we if we get it to the place that something is bound, now that's going to be important as we go through this lesson because there's going to be times where the enemy is fighting against the answer of our prayer and it's got to be he's got to be bound. So if it's bound on earth, God, would you bind the enemy? Would you bind Satan? Would you bind whatever would attempt to hinder my prayer being answered? Would you bind that? here on earth, and recognize it in heaven so that my prayer could get answered. Matthew 8, 16, 18, 28, 18. Or I'm, t- I'm sorry, 16, 19, and 18, 18. And then we find that Jesus 28, 18 of Matthew says, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. So that's all power. That's all inclusive. Anything that is required of power, it's given to Jesus. And then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The Bible refers to mountain-moving faith. It's, it's in this same book, Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is. Ma- the, the ability to say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and God removes that mountain. So the first, the first thing I wanted to, I, I've talked about today is the fact that in, in prayer, we have endless possibilities. We've got, and that's why it's, it's so fought against. That's why it's not preached on much anymore. That's why it's not practiced much anymore. That's why it's made uh, just, a, just a quick passing formality. I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily throwing stones. Maybe I am, but... but We've even got churches, church services, and have for years where there's an assigned opening prayer by somebody, by some member, by some dignitary, by somebody. What in the world are we? All that is is something that somebody's picked up along the way from some other, some Roman Catholic, or or somebody, somebody else that don't believe the Bible and don't believe in prayer, but it's religious formalities. Assigning prayers? Are you kidding me? Assigning somebody? Just, just pray. Oh, you know, just come. And, and I've even heard folks, I've even heard folks pray, call on someone else to pray. Okay, so I like you know, different weeks I'll call on someone to to dismiss us in prayer. And after they pray, I've heard them say, "Well, it was a beautiful prayer." A beautiful prayer. We we don't need beautiful prayers. We need prayers that get answered. We need heaven-shaking prayers. We need God's attention-getting prayers. We don't need beautiful prayers. 
So let's go to this understanding about prayer. Not only the possibilities that are in it, but now the understanding. We have got to understand that when we pray, when we bow to pray, when we start walking to pray, when we move to God to pray, that there is a clash of two kingdoms that takes place. I, I'm, this is, is going to be my last point. I got two, two places of Scripture. One you have known extremely well in this study. I want you to go back to Daniel 10. Now I'm going to show you this, and then we're going to Revelation 12, and we'll stop. Next time we'll get the next two, okay? Go with me to Daniel 10. Some of you can probably turn right there. A lot of great examples of praying in Daniel. But here's here's what I want you to see again, okay? I've taught this. I've read it. I've, I've referred to it. I've discussed it. You know this, okay? You know this story. I've talked to. I've talked about it for three weeks now. But let's look at it in Daniel ten. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and he had understanding of the visions. In those days, I Daniel was mourning three full weeks, twenty-one days, three full weeks. Three weeks, he's waiting for the answer to this prayer. He's waiting for the answer to the understanding. He's ate no pleasant bread. In other words, he's not ate anything that he's enjoyed. It's just been by necessity just to keep him alive. So basically, he's fasting. Neither came flesh nor wine, so he's not eat meat nor drank wine in his mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all, so... Um, he's, he's not anointed himself and lotioned himself with oil and things like that till three weeks were fulfilled. So for three weeks, he's prayed or just done nothing but fasted and prayed over this matter. It's a, it's a big deal. And in the four and 20th day, okay, that's 24 days, 21 days, you had 21 days that he's prayed. Then you got three days and then day 24, of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, which is, I love that. He's walking by the river praying. I do that. I'll go to Ash County a lot of times and just go up there by the new river. And I've got a little prayer walk that I do, and I, I'll walk and pray by the river. And you can walk and pray by the ocean. You can walk and pray in your backyard. Walk and pray around the house. But I like to walk and pray. I always have. And that's, so that's what Daniel's doing. Daniel's walking, and he's praying. Okay, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His, bo- his body also was like beryl, and his face as, as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Now, what does that description look like to you? Does it look like tender, loving Jesus? To please come and answer our prayers with a lisp and a limp wrist. No. No, that is a fighter. That is a warrior. This this is a warfare. Look at this. Just start reading with me. When this guy that when it, what it is, it's an angel. It's an angel of the Lord that's come in preparation to battle. 
When he lifts up his eyes, he looks, he beholds a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body was also like beryl, and his face was as the appearance of lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, the voice of the words like the voice of a multitude. So he's loud. Come on, like many people speaking. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, saw this great vision. There remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into, into me in corruption, and I received no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and behold, towards the ground. Behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understood the words I spake unto thee. Stand upright, for unto thee I am now sent. And when I had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day thou didst set in thine heart to understand to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, three weeks below Michael, one of the chief princes. Now that's important. I'm getting ready to get there. Michael would be an archangel. One of the chief princes come to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the division is for many days. So what, come here, let me teach you something from this text. And I, I've been on it for three, two weeks. You should have already gotten a good basis and background of this. But Daniel has been praying. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologize. Pollen. Daniel has been praying for three weeks. Like you and I, he's wondering what's going on. Why no answer? I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm clean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, no answer. Well, we find that an angel comes to him, and this angel doesn't have wings, he doesn't look like a girl, he doesn't have a cherub face, he's not fat. This angel, has he's not the cutest little Charmin baby you ever did see. This angel is a warrior. All angels were warriors. Well, where did you get the cherub face, little fat winged bodied? You get it from the Roman Catholics, like about everything else that folks believe today. When you read of angels in that Bible, they are warriors come to fight. Why do they come to fight? Because my second point in our prayer lives is understanding that when we go to pray, there are two kingdoms clashing. The kingdom of darkness is there, is prevalent, is present. And when we come to pray on the battlefield, we invade the kingdom of darkness. And therein are when the mighty angels, the powerful angels of God, come and begin to war and to make these things come to pass. Now, notice what he said. He says in this account that I was going to answer you three weeks ago, but I got withheld in this warfare. For three weeks, this battle's going on so I could get to you and give you your answer. And notice that it said, and Michael 
inter, in, inter, inter, interjected, interceded, we would call it for prayer. That's why I got uh, tied up with my words. I, w- I was wanting to say interjected, but intercessory has to do with prayer. But Michael physically interjected so that he might intercede on behalf of this situation. So what happened? What happened is someone more powerful, stronger, greater than you came along aside you to help assist in getting this prayer answered. And that's prayer, man. We get in we we get before God and we begin to invade the kingdom of darkness. And as we begin to evade the kingdom of darkness, there's a fight, there's a warfare. And if we will push through, we get the help that we need someone like Michael to come and to help us fight in this situation that we may get the answer that we're praying for. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't God's economy, isn't it a beautiful thing, a beautiful matter that we're looking at here? And that's that's the New Testament concept of you and I praying and Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But now we are the sons of God. So our brother, Jesus Christ, coming in and assisting us in our prayer to see this thing come to pass. What a wonderful, wonderful example. Revelation 12. Revelation 12 when we're done. Revelation 12. Gosh, I got so much ground to cover. We're going to have a great time in this prayer teaching I'm having a great time already. Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12 and 11. Watch. Revelation 12. Uh, In fact, let's start in Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael... And his angels fought against the dragon. So there's Michael again. So these angels are eternal. They're fighting all the way back in the book of Daniel, and here they are fighting in the future. Saint Michael. So he's not being killed. Hallelujah. That's an eternal creature, just like you and I. So Michael was present back there in Daniel. But look now. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So there is a warfare. This is going on in heaven, folks. And prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11, I love this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. What is this? This is an example of the warfare that takes place. Just two points tonight. Two points. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about two more points Sunday night. But just two points tonight. Number one, the possibilities in prayer. They're endless. They're limitless. We have at our disposal and our discretion and ability, we have a, 
endless possibilities of a God that is ever powerful, that has given us the ability from, from earth to heaven to see great things accomplished for Him. Endless possibilities. But number two, the understanding of our prayer is this. It is two kingdoms clashing. It's two kingdoms colliding. We see that in Daniel 10. We see that in Revelation 12. Both of them have Michael the archangel mentioned. In in Daniel chapter 10, Michael the archangel assisted in the fight to give Daniel his answer three, three weeks later. In Revelation chapter number 12, there is Michael the archangel again assisting in the war in heaven to bring God the glory. But what we must understand is this is a battle. It is a collision. It is a clash of two kingdoms. And this is... I'm, listen, Mickey Mouse prayers aren't going to cut it, especially in 2022. And we say especially in 22, but it's always been this way. It's always been... This was in Daniel's day and it was a clash of two, two worlds. A clash of two kingdoms. Mickey Mouse, Millie Mouse prayers are not... Now I lay me down to sleep. Prayers. That, that's not going to cut it, folks. What we need, what God is calling for, what is in my heart about this. We're, people are worried about music, worried about piano, worried about uh, all different... We better worry about learning how to pray. We better worry about the burden and the need to call on God and call down heaven, call down the power of heaven from God. That's what we got to have. That's what we need. Okay? The limitless power of prayer. The collision of two worlds. I hope you've enjoyed our prayer lives. Good night. God bless and I love each one of you.